Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man with a message that the things that you own end up owning you. Here is the captain. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we are still sipping on an orange wheat ale called Mother's Doing Good, brewed and bottled in Springfield, Missouri, 5% alcohol by volume, and I am happy to report that Mother's is donating a portion of every sale of this beer to charity. Garage grade three and three quarter bottle caps out of five and helping us out to donate a portion of the beer fund this week are these fine folks right here. First up, a long distance cheers to James T., and parts unknown. And a big shout out to Joan in Byron, Mississippi. Here's a double cheers to Josh and New in Mason City, Iowa. And a big cheers to the Cheesehead Monica in Southeast Wisconsin. And here's a cheers to Kate in Davidsonville, Maryland. And last but certainly not least, we have a long distance cheers to Martin. He is in Rotterdam, Netherlands. And he, just like the others, they helped out and went to truecrimegarage.com and contributed to this week's beer fund and for that we thank you yeah in beer run for everything true crime garage check us out at truecrimegarage.com if you need more true crime garage for your earballs all of our episodes are available everywhere you listen to podcasts and check out our bonus show called off the record on stitcher premium and that is enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime
the Missouri State Highway Patrol serves as the coordinating law enforcement agency in Missouri to alert the public of missing or abducted children. Today, in the great state of Missouri, just like many other states in this great country, Amber Alerts are distributed via the Wireless Emergency Alerts Program. The mission of the Amber Alert Program is to develop and coordinate the efforts of law enforcement, the media, and transportation in order to increase public participation in safely recovering abducted children through targeted education, increased communication, and effective sharing of resources. To avoid both false alarms and having alerts ignored as a wolf cry, the criteria for issuing an alert is rather strict. Each state Amber Alert plan sets its own criteria for activation, meaning that there are differences between alerting agencies as to which incidents are considered to justify the use of the system. However, the U.S. Department of Justice issues the following guidance, which most states are said to adhere closely to. One, law enforcement must confirm that an abduction has taken place. Two, the child must be at risk of serious injury or death. Three, there must be sufficient descriptive information of child, captor, or captor's vehicle to issue an alert. Four, the child must be under 17 years of age. December 16, 2004 was the first time that an Amber Alert was issued for a fetus lacking any sort of description. The alert was initially denied, as it had not been used before in an unborn child's case, and thus there was no description of the victim. Eventually, after intervention by Congressman Sam Graves, the alert was implemented. The baby's mother had been murdered just hours before the alert went out to the citizens of Missouri, and immediately people wondered, who could do something like that. John Rayburn is the director of the Infant Response Team for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and researches infant and fetal abductions. Rayburn and other researchers have interviewed convicted abductors, much like how the FBI interviews serial killers to learn more. He said that most abductors fit a fairly specific profile. They're in a rocky relationship and think a baby can save it. They're having fertility problems. They're overweight, as it is easier to get people to believe they're pregnant. They have a history of deceit. They carefully research and plan the crime. And according to Rayburn, they usually share another surprising quality. The vast majority of these women have had one or more babies of their own. Infant abductions are rare. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children reports as of December 2020 that there have been 327 infant abductions over the past 55 years in the United States. As rare as infant abductions are, fetal abductions are even more so. There appears to have been 25 of them in the last 40 years, most in the United States. Most fetal abductors surveil numerous targets before striking. Fetal abductors research how to perform a cesarean section. Rayburn said all of the fetal abductors he has studied 
have little regard for the real mothers, but they never intentionally hurt the infants. He explained the psychology of the women when they first pick up the infant. Quote, It's almost like an instant birth for that perpetrator. This is True Crime Garage. A good portion of today's trailer was from a fascinating article by the good folks doing good work over at KCTV. In the trailer, we talked about the first time an Amber Alert was used when there was no available description of an abducted child. And that is the case that we're going to dive into today. Bobby Joe was born in the tiny town of Skidmore, Missouri. Oddly enough, she was the cousin of the young man whose case we featured in the garage yesterday. That is the disappearance of Branson Perry. Growing up, Bobby Joe was a good student with a love of horses and dogs. She was quiet and kind. Bobby Joe graduated from Nordaway Holt High School in 2000, a year after her cousin Branson. And a couple of years later, Bobby Joe married Zeb Stennett. And a little over a year later, she was pregnant and Zeb and Bobby Joe are expecting their first baby. On Thursday, December 16th, 2004, Bobby Joe, just 12 days ago, celebrated her 23rd birthday. She is eight months pregnant at this time. The young couple lived in a modest, whitewashed clapboard house. They both worked at a Kawasaki factory. But on this day, Zeb Stennett was at work, and Bobby Joe was at home. The Stennets raised and sold rat terrier puppies. They also traveled to dog shows and showed their dogs at some of these events. Most of the sales were generated through their website, happyhavenfarms.com. At 3.38 p.m. on December 16th, a 911 call came in. Nottaway County 911, what is your emergency, a Nottaway County dispatcher said. On the other end of the phone line, it's Becky Harper. This is Bobby Joe's mother. She is now at Zeb and Bobby Joe's home. Becky is screaming uncontrollably. Becky Harper found her daughter's bloody, lifeless body in the back bedroom of the home. This room was used to hold puppy kennels. Becky cried into the phone. She told the dispatcher that Bobby Joe was lying on the floor and there's blood everywhere. The dispatcher asked her what happened. Becky replied, quote, she was pregnant and it's like her guts have exploded or something. Very quickly, medics and police were on the scene. Paramedics tried to revive Bobby, but there was way too much blood. And when you have that much blood, you have very little hope. As often, it is already too late. Unfortunately, doctors pronounced her dead at 4.27 p.m. And what a horrific sight this has to be. Absolutely horrific. Walking into this, finding your daughter in this manner, and not really fully being able to grasp what had actually happened. Right. She's got to be in total shock. Now, investigators, Captain, were able to conclude the following fairly quickly. It appeared to investigators that Bobby Joe was attacked inside her home. They found zero indicators of forced entry into the home. 
The victim was strangled from behind. Someone had made a lateral cut across her abdomen and removed the fetus. They also concluded that the baby was likely alive, but could be suffering by being born so violently and Mm -hmm. not helping this horrific situation. Keep in mind, she's only been pregnant for eight months, so we are one month early. Well, and because of the wounds, law enforcement cannot deduce a possible motive. Yes, that's correct. And again, our victim, she was attacked and strangled from behind, but not without putting up one hell of a fight, God bless her. And there were obvious signs of this at the scene. First, there was blood on the bottom of Bobby Joe's feet. This means that at some point during the struggle, she stood in her own blood. Right. The child would have been cut from her while she was lying down on her back. The only blood is coming from her stomach area. What this shows us is that she was strangled, choked out, but not dead. Her killer likely thinking that she may have been dead. But she came to while the killer was in the process of taking the baby from her body. Wow. She got up back on her feet, standing in her own blood, where before she was fighting for her own life at one point, now she's fighting for her baby. Well, it's like old man's strength. For some reason, mothers just have that incredible mother strength. Yeah, there was further evidence, too, that she fought her attacker, attempted to fight off the attacker. In fact, she was found gripping strands of blonde hair in both hands when her mother discovered her inside her home. Nottoway County Sheriff Ben Espy was the first emergency responder on the scene from a law enforcement perspective and was notified that the child's umbilical cord was cut prompting him to immediately get the help of outside agencies, this including the FBI. They're going to join in on the search for this child who's never been seen by anybody. Right. Sheriff Espy told reporters, quote, what we are looking at is more likely. This story so far sounds like something that you would see in a, in a movie or on a law and order episode doesn't seem quite real. Not at all. Sheriff Espy told reporters, quote, what we are looking at is more than likely our victim has been strangled and was probably deceased when the child was removed from the womb. Evidence would show the baby was probably wrapped up and taken out of the home. Now, Becky Harper, remember she's Bobby Joe's mother. Right would later say that she was on the phone with Bobby Joe earlier that day Mm -hmm. and that Bobby was expecting someone to come look at her dogs this about 2.30 p.m. She told her mother on the phone, oh, they're here, I've got to go. Remember Becky found Bobby Joe and the 911 call came in, Captain, at 3.38 p.m. Becky walked to the home after Bobby Joe failed to come to her house to pick her up at Mm -hmm. a scheduled time. So if the statement that Becky is giving to investigators is correct, Bobby Joe was attacked and killed and baby abducted between approximately 1230 p.m. and 330 p.m. 
that's quite a nice carved out little window for investigators to work with. And her husband is at work at this time. Zeb Senna is working at the Kawasaki factory during this, the entirety of this day. Now, one tip that came in suggested that three people had killed Bobby Joe with the purpose of taking her baby, which they intended to sell. I'm a little unclear where this tip came from, but it was reported in the papers and in the news at the time. This story very quickly became very big news and the law enforcement agencies that were working the case, one, the Nottoway County Sheriff's office with Sheriff Espy and the FBI and some other agencies, particularly in the state of Missouri were working very fast on this case and working together and Sheriff Espy, as well as I believe it was agent Jeff Lanza from the FBI. They were answering questions that the media had again, very big news, very early on in this investigation. Well, yeah. And cause we have two victims. One victim is deceased and one victim still out there possibly alive. So you got to work this case completely different than most other murder cases. And Sheriff Espy and the FBI agent were asked directly about this tip that suggested that three people had killed Bobby Joe and took the baby with the intention to sell to which Sheriff Espy responded and told the reporters this lead was possibly going to go up in smoke. He said the third party has misled us. So this lead may have sounded promising to the local scuttlebutt and to reporters, but to law enforcement, I'm sure they were able to quickly set this tip aside. Scuttlebutt's a good word. I don't know if that's because they, they were able to discredit the person or the information where the tip came from, or if it was simply that they had very much more stronger leads and evidence pointing them in a completely different direction. And this they found almost immediately in this case, Captain. Well, it almost sounds from law enforcement's perspective that this tip is maybe to even throw us off any other tips. Yes, or simply could be somebody wanting to get involved in the investigation because it is now a media circus. Right. Another one of the early leads in this investigation came from a neighbor. This was one of the neighbors of the Stinnets that reported seeing a red two-door hatchback car that was parked in the driveway of the Stinnets' home at 430 West Elm Street sometime between the hours of 12.30 and 2.30 p.m., this on the day in question. This was reported as a battered red two-door car with a hatchback at least 10 years old, maybe even older. Now, I like this red car tip. Now, you take that from what we know to be true to the time frame, right? Let's go back to Bobby's mother's story mm -hmm. that she's on the phone with Bobby Joe and around two 30 ish, Bobby Joe says, Oh, someone's coming. Oh, here they are. I've got to go. And now an hour later, Becky Harper is in her daughter's home, finds her daughter dead. 
So now you have to wonder, Captain. And, the, and these individuals are coming supposedly to look at dogs. According to Bobby Joe, yes. So now you have to wonder, is this red car either directly related to the murder mm-hmm. or at the very least, can the red car fill out a little more of our timeline and maybe even offer some additional information? Maybe even they witness something of importance. So we've got this one hour that we're really working with that we're concerned about. And we also have this red car. We need to figure out who was driving that red car. And also, do we have any eyewitnesses seeing one individual or multiple individuals in this vehicle? From my understanding, there's a possibility that this eyewitness saw someone or some kind of activity going on in the back of the vehicle. It's a little unclear what it was that they thought they were seeing or how it's directly related. But um, I think what's important here is that description of the vehicle itself. But the other thing that's nice for law enforcement is this is a small town. And and like we said yesterday, I don't even know if you can call it a town. So somebody noticing this vehicle, it, it probably wouldn't take too many degrees of Kevin Bacon to figure out who this car belongs to. That's very interesting that you say that because I think that and also the reverse of that is, is this a vehicle that you recognize to be owned by anybody that you know from here? You know, we're not talking about thousands, 50,000, 60,000 vehicles in this general area. There's about under 300 people living in this town And I'm sure a lot of these people know a good majority of the vehicles being driven by its residents. Well, just think like when we went to high school, uh, you know, that it's probably more people in our high school than were in this town. But if a crime was committed and the police officers were asking us, well, have you ever noticed this car before? Mm -hmm. We, we, We probably, again, maybe only noticed it a couple times, but again, we could probably figure out who that car is connected to or well i don't know the individual's name but they're friends with so and so or yeah or rattle off a few people that have vehicles matching that general description right well captain you mentioned a data dump on yesterday's episode so that's interesting because it is important to this case here today because police are armed with the information that someone may have been coming to look at some dogs or purchase a dog that day from Bobby Joe Stinnett. Yeah, or that being their ruse to get inside the house to attack her. And as we said earlier, the majority of the sales of those rat terriers that they raised came from their website, from Bobby Joe and Zeb's website, the happyhavenfarms.com website. Tracking that website and tracking their phone logs, were, were they able to get another suspect? Yeah, what they were doing was they were trying to find a good lead here based off of this general information. And everything on the computer, all that information that they found on Bobby Joe's computer told investigators that she had made arrangements to meet with someone named Darlene Fisher. Mm-hmm. And this was for the purpose of a possible sale of a puppy. This at that time period on the day of her murder. 
Well, who the hell is Darlene? That's a good question. So with several agencies working diligently together, this this whole thing is super amplified. This is your regular homicide investigation on steroids, maxed out, because you are not only looking to solve someone's murder, and we know how things you know, the, the faster you can get the good leads, the faster you can secure good evidence, the better your case will be, the better your investigation will be. It's not just about solving this woman's murder. There was a child that was ripped from her body. Yeah. It's about saving that baby's life. Right. It's not just a kidnapped child. This child could be in danger simply because of how it was born and because how early it was born. There's all kinds of complications here. So all of these agents and agencies working very diligently together, using every resource available, they could find, they couldn't find any record for a Darlene Fisher. You know, they're checking driver's license, state IDs, anything that they would have on their databases. They cannot find a Darlene Fisher and they couldn't find anyone who even knew who she would be. So now the investigators are terrified because it's starting to look like to them that they are dealing with a suspect or at least a person that they're trying to find that was using a fake name to meet with the murder victim on that day. Not only are they using a fake name, but this person is an absolute savage. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you, Captain. Cheers to the people in the back. Or to the Billy Goat. <laughs> Cheers to the people up front. Don't forget about those those people, the fine people up front. Yeah, they smell good. So, Captain, while we have this all going on, again, all of these agencies working together, I do want to take a, a quick 
step aside from the investigation and throw a little shout out here. This Sheriff Espy, I'm a big fan of him. And I know that it's really a reflection on more modern day investigative efforts in law enforcement agencies and how they conduct themselves. But one thing that I noticed in several of this sheriff's investigations, and this one in particular, is that he is quick to identify a situation and go, all right, this is of a certain magnitude. Let's tap every resource available and tap every other agency available to us and get all parties involved and let's just get it done and get it done right. He doesn't let ego stand in the way of asking for help, getting others involved. Right, and especially a case that is so serious as this one. So while all of this is going on, while we have individuals trying to figure out who Darlene Fisher is or who could be using that fake name of Darlene Fisher, at the same time, we have Sheriff Espy, who is attempting to use one of those resources, that being the Missouri State Amber Alert System. He is notifying the proper channels, which I believe would be the State Highway Patrol, according to the information that we covered in the trailer today, saying, hey, look, we need to send out an Amber Alert. Well, what does the victim look like? We don't know. What does the abductor look like? We don't know. Um, What can you tell us? He's basically saying, we can't, we don't have any information other than the very simple fact that we know that a fetus was abducted and somebody made off with that baby. And roughly pot or, or possibly the, the suspect's car. Right. So he gets a no on his request. They're like, yeah, that doesn't fit the criteria for our state's Amber alert system. Mm-hmm. Well, SB doesn't like this answer and he's not a, the kind of guy that just takes no for an answer when he knows that he needs help. And as you pointed out, captain, this is a horribly tragic, savage crime. This is of the utmost importance. I completely agree. So he starts lobbying his local congressman saying, you need to go to bat for us and, and get this done, make this happen. And through that channel, he ends up being told hey, all right, we're going to move forward with the Amber Alert for this abducted child. Well, again, look at this case. We we have a murdered victim. So when you have a murdered victim, the the best outcome at that point is to get a suspect, collect the evidence, charge them, convict them, and have them spend the rest of their life in jail. And while we have the work getting done to make the Amber Alert happen, Now we have to bring in the computer forensic detectives, right? Because since we can't figure out who Darlene Fisher is, our next effort is going to be tracing the communications from this so-called Darlene Fisher Mm -hmm. regarding the possible purchase of one of the dogs. Through a lot of work, they're able to very quickly trace that back to a single IP address. And I'm going to shorten this version of the story, Captain, because it does get very complicated. It's a lot of reaching out to people in other states to find out some information that lead you to another piece of information and another right. piece of information right. and speaking to. But it's it's information that's it's elementary to you since you studied 
computer. <laughs> right. That's correct. And by the way, there uh, will be new computer shirts this week in the on the store page. They trace this to a single IP address. And then what they learn is that that is coming from a town in Melbourne, Kansas, which is about 170 miles away. Mm. They, the IP address is traced to a telephone that was registered to a Kevin Montgomery at South Adams Road in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a really darn good lead, isn't it? So the FBI decide, hey, let's start watching this house. And soon they spot a dirty red Toyota Corolla with Kansas license plates pull up to that address. Yeah, yeah of course it's a dirty Toyota Corolla. The agents, now they're going to move into the residence. Once inside, they find a man and woman sitting on the couch, and between them appears to be a baby wrapped up in a sheet. Jesus. Now, they can't see, you know, any features of the baby. They can't see the face or any skin or anything like that. In fact, one of the agents says, it really crossed my mind in that moment, considering everything I had just seen in the last 24 hours. Mm-hmm that the baby could be somewhere else and that could be a shotgun or some kind of handgun wrapped up uh, for, for them to grab easily right. and take us out. Well, they check on the situation. They are right and find out that it was in fact a baby. It was in fact the missing baby that they were looking for sitting between these two people on the couch. They're just sitting there watching TV. Like nothing happened. Like like a couple of new parents. And in fact, oddly enough, they are watching the Amber alert information that is coming out on their TV screen. Jesus savages. Of course they arrest both of these individuals and the baby is sent off to the hospital and I won't leave anybody hanging for too long. I'll jump to this portion of the story. The baby was determined to be healthy. Okay. Nothing's wrong with the baby. No injuries at all. Thank God. Well, that's what I was saying about five minutes ago, but you interrupted me. The The importance of moving all this stuff forward was like I was saying, you have a murdered victim. Nor- normally, that's all you have, a murdered victim. So now you have to get the suspect, get the evidence, you know, charge them, put them in jail, and that's the best outcome. But when you have... Uh, in this case, the the victim taken by the murderers, now you have another outcome, and it's going to be on your hands, and that's how most law enforcement look at it. Hey, it's on our hands if we do not capture these people in time and get this baby back and have the baby be okay and have the baby be alive and not another murdered victim. In their custody, the... Police now have Lisa Marie Montgomery and her husband, Kevin Montgomery. They've separated them. They're going to be interviewing them. Both of them are in their mid to late 30s. Sounds like a very bad uh, country duo. Now, what Kevin Montgomery tells police during this interview process is that his wife, Lisa, allegedly called him at 5.15 or around 5.15 p.m. the day before. This saying that on a shopping trip to Topeka, Kansas, 
she had gone into labor and given birth. He said that his wife told him she had delivered the infant earlier in the day at a nearby birthing center. And she asked him to pick her and the baby up at a fast food restaurant. This was in the parking lot of a long John Silvers in Topeka, Kansas. The next day, the couple showed off the newborn at a diner, a bank, the courthouse, and the convenience store where Lisa Montgomery worked. Lisa Montgomery had four children of her own. This from a previous marriage. This was her second marriage to Kevin Montgomery. But she had her tubes tied in 1990. We're in 2004. Right. And according to... They they came untied. Right. According to Kevin Montgomery, her husband, he said that on at least one occasion, she claimed to have been pregnant. This after the procedure. Mm -hmm. I'm a little unclear here, Captain, if Kevin Montgomery was fully aware of this procedure. Right. I'm guessing he wasn't. What ends up happening in the other room with Lisa Montgomery, she, you know, is trying to explain some things away and she's sticking to the story of all she was pregnant and she had this baby and she's going to stick with that story, but not for too long. Eventually she breaks down and admits to police that the day before she drove to Skidmore, Missouri and met with Bobby Joe Stinnett in her home and attacked her from behind and took the baby from Bobby Joe's body using a kitchen knife. I mean, this is one of the worst cases we've ever covered. That it is, my friend. And she drove, apparently drove to this Long John Silver's restaurant in Topeka, Kansas, and then called her husband saying, hey, I just gave birth to our kid. Come and pick me up. Well, I mean, they do have good fish sandwiches and batter dip fries. Now we're going to have to go to trial, Captain. And Well, this- first of all, I mean, just so we're clear, they didn't have to do any tests or, or, or did they do tests just to prove? Cause- I'm glad you pointed that out. You're, you're absolutely right. They did some DNA testing and were quickly able to determine that the child was not belonging to Lisa Montgomery. Right. And it did belong to Zeb Stennett and to now deceased Bobby Joe Stennett. And after the baby was determined to be healthy, the baby was returned to uh, her father. The baby's name, by the way, is Victoria Stennett. Yeah. And you feel for him because again, this was their first child and, and maybe they're planning on having more and, and, and now you have to, you raise the the kid alone without 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 a mother, it'd be a tough situation. And you're spot on, Captain. This is one of the worst cases that we've had to cover. But the the silver lining is, of course, the baby's healthy, and we're able to not have double the tragedy here. Again, that's a, a plotting all law enforcement involved. Every from from the simple. Uh, patrol officers from the patrol officers all the way up to the FBI to the com- computer I can't talk today computer fr- forensic team 
I mean, all of them involved are, are the reason that, that this child is still alive. Now, this is going to be a different kind of charge, which will lead to a different kind of trial here, Captain. What Lisa Montgomery is eventually charged with is, in fact, a federal offense of kidnapping resulting in death. So what the prosecution is going to push forward is that the removing of the baby, abducting the baby from the mother's body is, in fact, at the end of the day, what killed this poor woman resulting in her death. This was a crime that was established by the Federal Kidnapping Act way back in 1932. So she's going to be tried by the U.S. federal government. And if convicted, she could face either life imprisonment at a federal prison or the death penalty. Right. And it's weird, though, too, because she she basically broke down during the interrogation. So you think at some point that her and her lawyer would be making some kind of plea deal. Yeah. Broke down. And I got to tell you, captain, the, the only, you know, there's very few portions of this story that you can gain any kind of joy out of, you know, the returning of Victoria Stennett, the baby, well, I thought uh, the hard work of the investigators and the community, but, mm. She broke down. I don't know what kind of mental and emotional tools Lisa Marie Montgomery was working with here. Um, Her defense team, the lawyers presented an alternative theory of the crime, of how the crime was perpetrated and how it went down. This theory was that Lisa Montgomery's brother had actually committed the murder. However... Oh, that's great. Just throw everybody in your family under the bus. Well, the other problem with this idea of presenting this as a defense for Lisa Marie Montgomery is there's no evidence to back any of this up. Right. You know, this you can't back up this theory put forward by the defense team. So when this was seen by the defense team as a lost cause effort, they ended up switching gears during the course of the trial. And then they were going to go for an insanity defense. Right. That's what they should have went with probably initially. But again, why not just make a deal because you already confessed and try to save your life and make a deal. You're exactly right. Well, you have all these, you have so many victims in this case. I mean, one, you have any law enforcement that had to see that scene. Uh, You have, you know, obviously Bobby Joe, then you have her child, then you have her husband, you have the whole community, then you have this lady's kids, and then think about the her husband. He thought he was picking her up because they had a child. Right. And I have a really hard time believing this husband guy that he... – Look, there's some dumbass men out there. <laughs> there's some dumbass men. I mean, I can believe that he didn't know about the procedure, the tube tying procedure. I can believe that. I have a hard time believing that this guy's as smart as glue is what right. he is. But some of the people in the town of Melvern, Kansas came to his defense and said, "Look, she fooled us too. There were other people in this community that she fooled yeah. for months leading up to and I and I've I've had this happen 
I had a friend of mine, you know, she told him that she was uh, pregnant so she could fake it for a little bit, but she, she faked it for months. It took months. And the, and this guy is not a dumb, he's not a dummy. Uh, and it wasn't, and, and, and in his defense, he never had a child before. So he didn't know exactly, you know, what to look for, but he, but friends of his started pointing out certain things to him. But again, a guy that's not, he's not dumb and he was fake. Uh, he was fooled for, for months, um, uh, by, by his girlfriend and her telling him that she was pregnant. And I'm not going to go to Lisa Marie's defense. I'm not going to look this, this woman from everything that I've seen. And we've talked about this. It feels like, like a dozens and dozens of times here in the garage captain that a lot of these killers, some of them have had horrible. I mean, I, I, I'm almost speechless when I, when I begin to think of her childhood, but a lot of these killers have had horrible childhoods. Yes. Lots of abuse, years of abuse. Her childhood, it would, it, I mean, it's up there with any of them that we've reviewed. It might be the worst one that I've ever reviewed as far as cases go here in the garage. But again, I'm not going to go into detail about that because this show is not about Lisa Marie Montgomery. It's about Bobby Joe Stennett and Victoria Stennett, Zeb Stennett and uh becky but, harper yeah but it is interesting i mean that her background is interesting but but also the, it, the more you dive into that the more you portray her as a victim and it was reported that during the court proceedings about half of the jury were crying at times during the trial itself and of course i think a lot of this is coming from this horrific crime uh, it being There's so many women that struggle to get pregnant, to ha- carry pregnancy to full term. There's a lot of issues with that, and and to have us this happen, um, it's just it's devastating. Um, if you're a defense lawyer and you're looking over at the jury and they're crying, you're yeah. thinking, well, this is not looking very good for us. Yeah, I, I think this is one, like, I understand that we have to have checks and balances. We have to have prosecutors and defense attorneys. But I think if I was a defense attorney and they gave me this case, I think I would just say, I have to walk away. I I can't, I couldn't do the best job for this individual. Or maybe I could, because again, like I said from the beginning, you broke down, you already talked to law enforcement. Why not make a deal? Right, and I think... You know. I, think you're spot on there my friend because remember when we reviewed john wayne gacy's case his his attorney his defense team they were i thought they were incredibly intelligent and their view was look the our the best thing we can do for this man is prevent him from getting the death penalty right we're not we're not stopping him from going to prison this guy's a monster well yeah he's a one he's a monster just like this lady's a monster but there's so much evidence there Right. We're not going to be able to beat that. We're not going to get you to walk out of here. There's a lot of people that are against the death penalty. And so maybe Bobby Joe's family would be against that. And so uh, justice would happen quicker. 
and you could resolve this quicker and, and you could also save a life. On October 22nd, 2007, this just after five hours of deliberation, the jury found Lisa Marie Montgomery guilty, rejecting the defense claim that the defendant was disillusional. Four days later, the jury recommended the death sentence and the judge, Gary Fenner, agreed with that recommendation and formally sentenced Lisa Montgomery to death. Lisa Montgomery was executed by lethal injection on January 13th of 2021 at the United States Penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana. When asked if she had any last words, she simply replied, no. She was pronounced dead at 1.31 a.m. Thank you for your continued support on our way to 500 episodes of the main TCG show. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading this week? This week we are recommending Baby Be Mine by Diane Fanning. This book as well as some other materials were used in the research for this week's story. So if you want a deeper dive, make sure you check out Baby Be Mine, the shocking true story of a woman accused of murdering a pregnant mother to steal her child by Diane Fanning. Find that great title and several other garage recommendations at truecrimegarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't listen. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 